Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Okay. How's everybody today? Are we good? Are our smiles working today? Let me see. How about our hands? Our hands are working. You're going to need them both. Look to your neighbor and say, can I borrow a piece of paper? Pastor Don's got some important things to say today. I got a text message from a, from a friend last night. He had been traveling. Um, and he said, hey, man, I'm be in church tomorrow. I'm, I want to cry, so you better be good. You better be good. And I said, you know, that's a lot of pressure. Um, to put on our pastor. Seriously, though, um, I think there's going to be a few aha moments uh, in our time together, and I'm really excited um, to share with you. We're going we're gonna to drive around the block for just a little bit, and then we're going to pull in the driveway. This will make sense by the time I finish. Um, but there's some things that God has just put on my heart as we've been walking through this series, according to Peter, and I've been looking forward to this week. Um, I've been looking forward to being able to share with you uh, what's happening. Here's, here's how I'll start by saying it this way. I think there's a familiar pattern among all Christians. And you may not have thought about it this way, but here's, here's the pattern. You saw Christianity demonstrated before you became a Christian. You saw it before you believed it. Maybe, maybe it was a, a powerful demonstration of faith in the middle of some unbelievable circumstances, right? But you saw it Maybe there was some act of love from someone who had no ulterior motive, right? And you saw Christianity. Maybe you witnessed a healing or a restoration of a broken relationship. You, you saw it. All of us Christians would say we saw it before. Bottom line, you saw Christianity before you became a Christian. And God used what he had been doing in the life of someone to point where it went from hidden on the inside of their lives to now visible to others, and you were one of the others that started to see and who were impacted by what God was doing. If, if I just described anybody's life in here up to this point, okay, the five of you that will raise your hand and participate. I asked you earlier today, were your hands working? You got to help me out. Thank you. Thank you very much. I might argue, however, that you didn't witness Christianity per se. I don't think you witnessed Christianity. I think you witnessed worship. I think you witnessed worship. When, when somebody says, it doesn't look promising, but I've got a promise from God, so I'm going to worship him. That's what you witness in those moments. When, when somebody would say, I was once unlovable, but now love for others just pours out of me as I worship. You can see that in somebody's life. You can literally watch it take place. When you see somebody that says, I've received something I do not reserve. Is, is there anybody here that received something that you don't deserve? Yeah, so now I can't help but worship in my giving to those who are in need. Look at me, church. You didn't see Christianity. You saw worship. And here's the cycle I want you to be thinking about. What you saw on someone else's outside that was illuminated by the Holy Spirit and actually planted a seed deep inside you. 
That seed was watered, it was cultivated, and God used situations and circumstances and relationships in your life. And as your appetite grew of the things of God, so did your love for God and your desire to do the things that pleased him. All of your efforts toward taking next steps on your spiritual journey will bring this inward journey to the outside for others to see. And then others will see externally what God has been doing internally in you, and it will spark a seed of faith that maybe God can do that in their lives as well. How many of you are tracking what I'm saying? That's what happens, and it happens over and over and over again in life. That's how Christianity works. There's a, there's a word for this. And the word is that, that describes this inner response to the things of God, which shows itself and is visible by others. Here's, here's the word. It's a Greek word, eusebia, eusebia. And the you part of that word means well-directed, like well. And the sibia part means reverence. So it's, it's literally well-worship. It's reverence or awe that is well-directed. Directed. And you say, okay, well, that's great, Pastor Don, but what does that have to do with Peter? This is according to Peter. We've been walking through 2 Peter. How does this have any relationship to what you're talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked because our English translation for Eusebia is this word godliness. Can you say that word with me? Godliness. And as we've been walking through 2 Peter, we came across this list. How many of you can memorize? You've memorized the list already. We keep going over and over and over again. Here's the passage, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 10. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to dig in. It says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness, here's our word, with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whatever, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Look at this. For if you practice these qualities, you will never what? You'll never fall. Peter's been helping us learn how to live on earth until we get to heaven. And we've been going line by line. In this passage, we've been going word by word, really fully understanding the kind of life that is available to us if we will put forth the effort and grow. And I've told you this before. Salvation is a free gift from God, but your maturity is going to take effort. Your maturity is going to take effort. If you see a mature Christian walking around, it didn't just happen. Those kind of things don't just bloop, pop out of a tree, right? Salvation is a free gift, but our maturity takes effort. And previously, we learned that this list isn't a random list of things. You actually work on one while doing the others. And while you're growing in one, it makes the other thing more helpful or easier for you to do. Here's our list. I'll put it up there for you to see it. Faith. This is right out of that passage. Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, and then the final three that we're going to talk about today, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Now, let me put this list in a paragraph form for you so you can follow where I'm headed today. This is how it works in your life. As we continue, in other words, in steadfastness, as we continue to act upon the truth, 
that right knowledge that we see. As we continue to act upon the truth that we've learned in his word, the spirit begins to develop his character within us. That's virtue. And you find yourself starting to be able to withstand the pressures and the passions. In other words, you gain self-control that you never thought would be possible. You begin to worship well. That's that's godliness in your life with an inside-out kind of faith. And that kind of faith has now become visible worship. And it begins to impact others around you. Do you understand what I'm telling you today, church? This is how it works. This is what Peter wants us to see. There comes a point in your life where what God has been doing on the inside, it's now time for it to be seen and be visible on the outside. It's the time that you spend in the morning before anybody else is up and you're in your prayer time and you're in your Bible and you're reading. It's time for that time to show up in the checkout line at the store when somebody's taking too long because they've got 800 little items in the 25 or less lane, right? It's, it's when you spend the time driving to work and the radio's not on, but your heart is full because you're talking with God, right? That inward thing. It's time for that to show up in the traffic that we find when people are trying to go all crazy from one point to the other. There's a point in your life. And if you're a Christian and you haven't been to that point yet, you haven't found it, maybe this will help you. There's a point in time in your life where what God does on the inside is supposed to be seen on the outside for people to grow. Are you with me so far? And that's where this word godliness, this well-directed worship comes into play. And, and when you read godliness, I want you to think this. It's time for what's inside and hidden to go outside and be seen. What's inside and hidden, it's time for it to be outside and seen by others. I would explain it this way. If godliness were a building. It, it, this, is, this is how it would look. If godliness were a building, it would reveal itself not as the finished product, right? But while it's still under construction. When the foundation has been dug, when it's, when it's been poured, and when it's starting to erect the steel, and you start to see it go up and start to see it take shape, it's not the finished product yet, but it sure does look like a building. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about godliness, right? It's, it's hard to understand the scale of a building until it starts to get erected, right? Let me say it this way. If godliness were a plant, it would be seen at that precise moment when it breaks through the soil. Now, you know it didn't start right there, did it? There was a seed that was planted in the ground, and that seed died to itself was watered and began to give life to something. And it, and it was pressure from the weight of the soil on top of it. And it caused that growth to push up. And in that exact moment, when it comes through the soil that was hiding it, it's now visible for somebody else. That's godliness. That's, that's godliness. If godliness were a person, it would not be someone who's perfect. But it would be someone who's aware of God in every area of their life. Someone who's been walking with Jesus long enough that the things of God are starting to be visible in their life. A godliness kind of person wouldn't be tripped up and could live above the petty and the temporary things of this world. They can, they can resist the passions and the pressures that come through life. Not perfect, but growing and a part of their life that is now visible for others that is godliness. 
God would use the visible worship that comes from those, those kinds of lives to start to show others that living as a Christian is not only possible, it's the only way to live. It's the only way to truly, truly live. And it begs the question, are you ready? Here's the question. Can other people see what God has been up to inside of you? That's the question you need to ask yourself. We're talking about godliness. I know you spend time in prayer. I know you spend time in the word. I know you get up early and you stay up late. And from every chance you get, you're filling your life on the inside. But I got to ask you this question. Is what God has been doing on the inside, is it visible to other people on the outside? Because according to Peter, if it isn't visible to others, it's not godliness. If it's not visible to others, it's not godless. Well, no, no, Pastor, I love God, and I, I read my Bible every single day. Yeah, but you're mean and you're cynical to other people. That's not godliness. That's what God's after in those quiet times, to show you through the mirror that it is, that is his word, that when you see something lining up with, that doesn't line up with your life, that you'll make a change on the inside. But he doesn't want that change to stay on the inside. Where does he want to see it take shape? on the outside for other people. Godliness takes our relationship with God and brings the presence of God into every other relationship in your life. That's what Peter means as he ends, or ends the list in verse seven. He says, in godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. What do you think he means when he says brotherly affection? Who are your brothers? Elbow the person to the left of you and say, hey brother. That's who he's talking about. And listen, church, if what God has been doing in your life hasn't started to change the way you feel and act toward other people, look at me, he's not done. He's not done. What God does in your life on the inside, he wants to take it to the outside. He wants to take what he's been doing here in this church out into our community. That's godliness. That's Godliness. It's, it's not godliness to bow my head in church and snub my nose in public. That's not godliness. It's not godliness to lift my hands in worship in my church home and not reach out my hand towards somebody else out in the community. That's not godliness. And I love that you're here, but I'm telling you, God's doing something in your life while you're here so he can do something through your life while you're not here out in this world. That's godliness. And Peter's showing us what the end result of our maturity will look like. It's, it's faith. It's a free gift of God. So to it, we can add virtue in Christ-like character. While we work hard at learning the right kind of knowledge so that we can have self-control to do the things that we've learned. And then we have steadfastness to be able to keep doing the things that we know. And then we add godliness so that we can, that grows in our lives so other people can see it. And that godliness will cause us to go from reaching up to reaching out with brotherly affection and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. And love there in that passage, oh, that, that, that's agape. 
That's agape word. That's a, that's a selfless love. That's a love that gives expecting nothing in return. That's the same love that we see in John chapter 3, verse 16. You've seen the football players with the John 3, 16. This is the verse, right? It's, many of you could say that with me. For God so loved, that's the word, that's agape, the way that God loves us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, listen, that's not a belief in God. That's a belief in the son. That's a belief in Jesus. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that, that the world might be saved through him. Jesus had a life that didn't stay inside. He had a kind of life that affected those outside of him. So what makes us think that God would do something on the inside of us that he intends just to stay there? It doesn't work that way. What God does in you, he wants to do through you. And I want to watch how this, how this mirrors the way you first saw Christianity demonstrated to you. You saw someone worship. And that worship that you saw in their life, it, it planted a seed of faith inside of you. Maybe you knew they were sick, and maybe you knew there was a disease that the doctor said there was no way that they were going to be able to be cured from that. And you watched them love and worship God anyway. That does something inside of you. Maybe that, maybe that planted a seed in you, and that, that faith grows when we trust Jesus, and we put effort towards our maturity, and that inward maturing faith didn't just stay on the inside of you. It now became visible to other people. Other people are watching your generosity. They're watching you give. Other people are watching you be kind when there's a reason for you not to be kind in the moment. Other people are watching your servanthood when you go and help other people. And since we do those things in love, expecting nothing in return, it becomes well-directed worship that pleases the Father and encourages others. That's how this works. If we were to peel the top off and dig down on the inner workings of what Christianity looks like, that's what it looks like. God does something in somebody's life and other people see it. Other people see it and it gives them the courage to think maybe God could do that in my life. They start trusting and believing God can do it in their life. And then what he does on the inside starts to come out and then other people see it. How many of you say, I've seen worship in somebody else and I didn't know what it was until you just described it. That's worship. Now look how Peter ends this section. Second Peter chapter one, verse 11. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In this way, don't confuse to think that it's your effort that provides or has made a way for you to get to heaven. That's Jesus. Jesus did that. He came and lived that sinless life that you and I couldn't live so that he could die and pay a debt that you and I could not pay. He's not saying in this way, talking about your effort and all the things. He's not saying take faith and add virtue to it and virtue add knowledge and knowledge to self-control and self-control steadfastness, steadfastness to godliness, godliness to brotherly affection, brotherly affection to love. He's not saying do those things so you can get to heaven. Jesus has paved the way for us to be to heaven. Our salvation is a free gift. But what did God use to show you that free gift was available to you? What did you first see? You saw someone else's godliness, their worship of God on display for you. And in that way, God prepared for you an entrance into 
eternity. Are you seeing that? It's right there in the text. How will the gospel spread across New Iberia? In this way. In this way. In the way that God's going to do something in your life and desire it to go out. How is the gospel going to get to your workplace? In this way. In God doing something in you to the point where you start to realize maybe what's on the inside needs to start coming out. You don't understand, Pastor Don. I don't work in a very godly place. I know. That's why God sent a godly person there to work. Pastor, have you seen the crime statistics in our community? There are some streets that you shouldn't drive down, Pastor Don. I know. That's why he sent you. That's why he's done things in your life. Pastor Don, you don't know my family. They're kind of hostile toward God. I know. That's why he's been doing this work in you. And they know you. And they've been watching. And they know where you go on Sunday mornings. And they've seen the music and heard the music on your playlists when they stop by. But they're watching and they're waiting. When people start to see what you've already seen, when you start to live the way you know to live, you're going to be the vocal piece. You'll be the one going out, scattering the seed. When we read the parables of Jesus and he's talking about, there was some, ski, some seed scattered along the roadside. What's he talking about? Is he talking about literally just like going and throwing seed out? No, no. There's some people that got sent down their street. And God was doing something in their life and they shared it with other people. And in this way, there will be richly provided for others an inheritance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Last week, if you were here, you saw 47 baptisms. We got here that day, there was 21 or 23, I forget the number, that were scheduled and planned to be baptized. I gave an invitation and, and there were 14 others that showed up to do that. At the end of service, when I asked everybody to bow their heads and, and raise their hands if they want to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, 14 people raised their hand. 10 of those 14 got out of their seat and went up there and got water baptized that same day in that same moment because we still had water in the tank. Look at me. That's not just because of the service. That's because they've been watching you. They've been watching you. I talked to a woman who was in church. She said, I didn't grow up in a church like this, but my son's been coming. And I've seen what God has done in his life, and I'm so excited for him. He was getting baptized that day, and mom didn't want to miss it. She came to church because of what she saw inside of him. There was a man whose friends had tried to convince him that the church is going to reject him if they find out who he really is. And let me tell you, he's been watching you. And since he's been coming, he's found friends and loved ones and he can't explain why he's supposed to be here. He just knows this is where he's supposed to be. He's seeing what God is doing in you externally, and it's changing something in his life on the inside. Are y'all following me? In that tank last week was a teenager who months ago couldn't look anybody in the eye. 
And today, he stands up and will smile and greet you and shake your hand because God's done something on his inside. And like that building that the foundation has been poured, it's starting to erect. And you can't tell me God's not doing something in that young man's life. There were some things hidden beneath the surface of that shy demeanor that are just starting to poke out. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do and continue to do in his life. There was a marriage in that tank that by every stretch of the imagination a few weeks ago was at an end. But Pastor Don, if he can do it in their life, I know he can do it in ours. And that little seed flourished in that moment. Telling you they're watching you worship, church. They're watching you. We used to sing this song when I was a child and in Sunday school. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Right? There was a part in that song, my favorite one, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Do you really think that God would bring you this far? Would orchestrate all the relationships and all the situations and all the circumstances in your life, bring you to the point where you can't deny, you know you're not where you're supposed to be, but you can't deny where you've come from either. Do you think God would bring you that far just to let it sit there inside of you and not be seen on the end of this? No, no, listen to me. He wants it to push outside of you because there's somebody else. And I know it looks like a little sprout. And I know other people might not think anything of it. But that little sprout, if you'll keep watering it, if you'll keep growing it, if you'll stay in the right environments, it will grow to be a tree with branches that people can find refuge in and shade underneath. They're watching you grow. You saw it in somebody else's life first before you started believing it. I wonder who's watching you right now. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I do this in moments like this because I, I don't want you distracted by things that are going around. And I just want you listening to my voice. I want you listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit because I believe he's speaking to us today. I think there's three groups of people in the room today. I want you to listen to figure out which one you are. I think there's three. Here's the first group. You know that God has started to use your public life to show, show Jesus to others. You just know it. You know, you've gotten to a point in your life where there's enough maturity. You understand. God's done some things and he's allowed you to put it in perspective. You can look back and you can actually even explain what God has done in your life in a way that's relevant to other people. I think there are people here in this room. You know God is wanting to use you publicly. I want to tell you, keep going. Let him. Keep taking next steps. Every step you take, somebody else is watching. It's those seeds you're getting scattered all along your sphere of influence, all across work. Those ungodly environments where you are, you're there for a reason. I think there's a second group of people here today. God's been doing a work in you, but you've largely kept it to yourself because it's hard. Maybe you're not as consistent as you'd like to be. It's hard. I'm not, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to, to scare anybody off. If, I, if, they, if they know I'm a Christian and I mess up, then what? I'll just be like one of those other hypocrites. Pastor, listen to me. Listen, here's the truth you need to understand. It's harder alone. 
You're not struggling in your faith because you're not good at it or because it isn't real. You're struggling in your faith because you're doing it all alone. It's time for you to speak up and say something. You didn't know that that coworker is a Christian also because both of you have been too afraid to say something to the person next to you. God hasn't put you there alone. Lift up your eyes and see the armies of people that are surrounding you, godly angels surrounding you in the form of that coworker. You know there's something different about them. You're struggling in your faith and you're keeping it to yourself. It's harder when you're alone. Let us help you. People in the second group, let me tell you, if you will give me a year, just give me a year. I want you to learn about next steps. I want you to start showing up to more than just Sunday. I want you to serve. I want you to put your hands to something bigger than yourself. I want to watch what God will continue to do in your life so that he can start doing things through your life. And our eyes are closed and our head are bowed. We're still looking around. But I think there's a third group of people here. You've been watching from the sidelines. Man, is that real? Does God really love me? I, I, I mean, I could sing the songs, but I can't really explain the love that I feel from these people. I spoke to a man this week. He said, Pastor, I don't know why. I just feel drawn to this place. This is where I'm supposed to be. Listen to me, people in the third group. God's trying to get your attention. You may not know where you are in your relationship with him, but he knows where he is in his relationship with you. You've sinned. You've separated yourself. God didn't leave you. You walked away. And in the middle of your sin, he sent you a savior. And if you receive his free gift of salvation by believing in his son, his death on the cross will pay the penalty for your sin and you get to spend forever in eternity. That's good news. But not just that. Not just that. He'll help you live the kind of life here on earth that you've always wanted to live. I want to call you up today. I want to call you out today. No longer watch from the sidelines. Raise your hand. You've seen worship. You've seen others. This is real. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, that's me. I'm in the third group. I've been watching from the sidelines. I haven't reconciled my relationship with God by believing in his son, Jesus. I don't know that if I died today that the next face I would see would be the face of Jesus. You're right. I have walked away from God. But I believe God's doing something in my heart today, and I don't want to deny it. I want to take that step I want to acknowledge him as my Lord and Savior today. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I want to know who I'm praying with today. If that's you and you say, Pastor Don, I want to be born again today. I want to ask you, raise your hand and look up at me. Raise your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Proud of you. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Hey, I see your hand too. We met in the foyer. I said, tell him. It's still time to come to church. You're going to be telling people to come to church. Up in the balcony, I'm looking. Thank you. I see your hand on the back row. Hey, you too, both of you. Hey, let's go. It's time. Anybody? Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? 
You've raised your hand, and I can acknowledge you can put them down. I see you guys up in the balcony right beside each other. Thank you, I see it. I see your hand. One more time, and then we'll pray. Thank you. I'm glad I asked. I'm glad I asked. What a special moment, church. If you're a Christian here in this room, I want you to know and be so encouraged that God used your worship today to demonstrate his love for the people here that didn't know him. I normally don't ask a third time, but I don't want us to miss an opportunity. God brought you here today, and you knew something was going to be different. Don't walk out of here the same way you did. One more time, raise your hand and look at me. Thank you. Thank you. Church, I want us to pray. It's not the prayer that saves you. Holy Spirit has done a work in your heart. That's, that's what saved you as you trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But I want to lead us in this prayer to acknowledge what the Holy Spirit has done in your life. And I'm going to ask everybody here in the church today to say this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt. And you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, let's celebrate with those who were born again today.